This is the process.ink. This is the process. I'm Tom Benedek. I'm here in Ann Arbor, Michigan, in the office of Marcus Norns at the University of Michigan, the screen, Department of Screen Arts and Cultures. And uh, we are speaking with Tamako Akiyama. And Tamako Akiyama, you are in Tokyo and you are a professor at Rikyo University. And uh, we're going to be talking about the, uh, the history and the state of current independent film in China. And Marcus, you're an expert on, uh, you're a professor of Asian studies and, and uh, film criticism here. What's yeah. your official, official title at the university? My official title is Professor of Asian Cinema, but most of my work is on Japan, actually. But tangentially, you have an interest in, in filmmaking yeah, I've in always, China. I've always followed China, and especially in the last, what, eight years, because it's gotten so interesting. And Tamako, you are a, you were you were a uh, professor of philosophy early on. Well, now I'm teaching Chinese and Chinese films. And your interest in Chinese films began when and how? And what is your specialization these days in Chinese film? Well, especially Chinese independent documentary films. How did you start? Oh well, I started with, well, in contrast to my, well, undergraduate day, well, I met Chinese independent documentary filmmaker in Beijing. And so let's get, right now, the situation for independent filmmakers in China is not the same as that which we have for independent filmmakers in the United States and other Western countries, even though the industry, the, the major film industry in China is exploding in, in the United States, the mm -hmm. film industry here is changing. The major motion pictures are being geared toward international audiences and, and the Chinese audience is so large that uh, there's just a tremendous amount of box office potential in China. So big movies are going to China. Studio movies are going to China. And some smaller films from around the world are, are going to China and being shown in the, in the many theaters that are being built in recent years there. But the independent, the state of independent films. There now, there were no independent films until around 1990. Is it is it safe to say that? Yeah, the early 1990s. Yes. And then what what happened in 1990? Before 1990, the government just did not allow any people to to do that, and they didn't have the means of production to make films. So there's really no you you could there are no small little films that people made handmade films that are kicking around from that period of time? Well, before 1990s, it is incredible to make movies by themselves because those equipments or films were very expensive for them. They cannot afford to get those things by their own money. And there was no Super 8 or anything like I don't think so. Yeah. There wasn't a lot of home movies. No home movies. And then if we if we if we if we jump to 2014, there is a Beijing Independent Film Festival which by then had been in ex in, in existence for 10 years. 
or so. I think it was 10 years, right? But it was shut down in, in 2014, and they had, they, had had a, they had a track record, and they had people coming from all over the world to, to see the films that were being screened, and there were films that were made by filmmakers in many parts of China, and they were about subjects of, of social interest and uh, of subjects having to do with you know, uh, you know lifestyle you know contemporary lifestyles but um, the government um, the government shut down that festival and uh, you know if we th if we compare that to you know Sundance or South by Southwest is, is, is it is it would you say it is as if the government in the United States were to say well you know you can't have you can't show these films anymore here. Could you compare the two festivals? Is there a parallel that we could draw between them? Um, I'm sorry, I, uh, which two festivals? Well, I'm trying, like the Beijing International Film Festival was really an important festival for China in terms of independent film. Is it like Sundance for here? Basically, it's private film festivals. And I have to say that I'm very poor at poor in English, so maybe some sometimes I will switch Japanese and hope Mark I can help. It. Of course, yeah. that's yeah. fine. Go Thank right you. ahead. Thank you. Well, basically, there is no independent film market in China, so those independent films in China are not getting money basically and so that's the difference between Sundance I think. So they won't get theatrical distribution and there won't be, it's, it, the, the only way they'll be distributed is privately in schools or in private screenings that people do in their in their homes or at different kinds yeah, of organizations? Basically. And there's no, the government, uh, for a film to be shown in a theater, it has to get a set of approvals, and these films don't, they don't get the license or the approvals to be able to be screened just because they're independent, because they, they weren't originally produced within the, the system of filmmaking business in China? Well, basically, in China, you definitely need permission I mean, censored. You need to be censored by the government. And if you want to make what you want to, uh, the films, what you want to make, some people just don't want to be censored and make their own films. So then, you, in order to show in a theater, you need the censorship mark, right? Mm -hmm. So the dragon mark or something? Yeah. That's what they call yeah, it. Yeah, dragon mark. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And if you don't have if you don't have the censorship mark on the film, where can you show it? Well, private venues such as well, cafe or some film foundation which are not authorized or bookstores or gallery. Oh yeah, art galleries. Yeah. Yeah. Or universities. Does that mean those screenings at cafes and such are mm -hmm. illegal? Well, it's, it is, <laughs> I don't know, because they don't make money with these films. So those customers 
come to well watch the film by something at cafe yeah. well drink some coffee right. and pay for it so they are just showing their films for free yeah. so you cannot say it illegal oh if you earn money with these films it might be called illegal but they don't make any money with this and so that that is their tactics and so then they starve the filmmakers to some extent or they feel <laughs> that if they don't allow them to make a reason make any money on them then they can't cover their costs and they can't distribute them more widely is that there's no incentive for them to to do that other than that their heart and their beliefs that they want people to see the film and not caring whether or not they can pay their cost to do it? It's a long question. I'm sorry. Mm. Well, may I answer in Japanese? Yes, yeah. of course. Probably,時期によって状況によって違うと思う。すごくいいあの自由な時期には彼らはDVDを so it depends on the period and the conditions. So there are probably times where you could make DVDs and sell them. Yeah, so the, the censorship standards for DVDs and theatrical films are totally different. So DVDs are more, there's more liberal standards for content in DVDs than for theatrical films? えっと、担当する部局が違う。映画はその、えっと、広報電影局っていう、まあ、プロパガンダを担当するところで、DVDは本の出版を担当する部局だから、その彼らの uh, so, actually, the government bureaus that handle the censorship are totally different. For theatrical film, it's being handled by the ministry in charge of propaganda. And for DVDs, it's being handled by the ministry in charge of books. And the Ministry of Propaganda is far more strict when it comes to political topics. So you can sell DVDs, so is there more, there's more of a market in DVDs or is there are DVDs still not really available generally? If someone makes a great, if someone in a town, in a city somewhere in China makes a great independent, great small film that's very compelling, and they just press, make, they manufacture DVDs, it has the possibility to be distributed all over China or go on, go on the internet in China, or is that, how would that work? Is the internet different from the propaganda and the book ministries of, of censorship? あの、政治状況が割と緩かった時代。で、今はもう発売できない。Yeah, so, so first of all, the 
the era when you could sell DVDs was a time when the strictures were quite loose and, and weak. But now it's strict and you can't do that. You can't sell the DVDs. Oh. But once those DVDs are distributed in abroad, they pirate those DVDs. Oh. So there is a lot of pirate DVDs in China, actually. So yeah. if a DVD, if a DVD <coughs> from China, a, a DVD from China would be distributed abroad, and then it would come back into China and be on the pirate market in the in the in the street stalls or wherever the pirate stores are. うんと中国で発売されたDVDも海賊版が出たしあと中国で発売されてなくて海外だけで発売されてるDVDなんかそういうのが海外でDVDが出たらすごい簡単にコピーして海賊版を作れるでしょそれが出回ってるそう the DVDs that were made domestically would would quickly be pirated and start circulating but there were films that weren't released in China but they were distributed abroad uh, for instance Wang Bing's West of the Tracks uh -huh. and once it came out abroad they quickly copied it and started distributing it as pirate versions in China that's the way things circulate uh -huh. so it is so if the idea is to get it viewed, it's possible to get something viewed. But if the idea is to establish a practice as a filmmaker where you're established and able to use the means of production to make the film and the actors and uh, the distribution system, that's a completely, you're completely marginalized from that. So, uh, but ま、基本的にこれが必要じゃなかったら、ま、完全に自由で制作できて、あの、よく見られるんですね。しかし、え、もしもっとプロフェッショナルのような実践で制作したければ、マージンの方しかできない。マージンのような活動しかできないっていう
the government has suddenly started turned toward the independent films and decided that they wanted to put pressure on them and they wanted to tamp to press it down and then they would press it down and then they would pay attention to it and then slowly they would just sort of disregard it and then the, the independent films would start to rise up a little more and then they would just do that tamping down again and this has happened several times so that in 2014 we had a the independent films were becoming more prominent there was a big festival and the festival was growing I guess a little bit it was very well established and since somebody in the government decided that this was not a good thing for 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 the in the best interests of the, the whole of the government or the country the entire country so they really really pushed it down again so now we're sort of at the bottom of a cycle and perhaps there'll be another rising up now now is it possible that this coincided with the growth of the industry, that, that they don't want competition from the independence for the major industry? Or is it purely a political, cultural issue for the government at this time? Did you sense that there, if you look back on 2014, were there things going on culturally in China that made the government fear independent films at that time? Mm. Well, at that time, well, um, not only independent films, but also other art fields are quite strict,ed well, hardly strict,ed restricted, restricted, uh -huh. restricted by the government, and yeah, as you said, there is a pattern of they will open and close and open and close this well like wave and maybe 2014 was the one of the bottoms of this wave and as you said now they are there are some other movement or well trend that they are tend to go to other smaller cities like Inner Mongolia, or Shenzhen, or Qinghai, or anyway, it's not Beijing or Shanghai, or... This is for film festivals, right? So it's yeah, film festivals. And now there are some film festivals in those smaller cities. I know you went to this new film festival in Inner Mongolia. What was yeah. that like? Uh, there was very big festivals actually well the first deadening film august which just uh, got tried golden recently recently and the other days they should they they showed their films in the play play prairie prairie so yeah, 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 yeah. They showed them outdoors? Mm-hmm, yep. And out, so it was... That's out in Inner Mongolia. That's great. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and and the, government, the government there, the state government, promotes the festival for cultural, economic reasons, or they're just not... They're, they're, by, a region might not be so concerned about the cultural 
issues that the, the national government has? Well, actually, the festival was supported by the local government. Really? Yeah, yeah. Huh. So, you know, this, the Beijing festivals was shut down quite violently. Mm-hmm. And the threats to the direct festival director were pretty shocking. And let's, let's mention the name of the film and the filmmaker, the film that was shown here um, last month. Can you tell me the, the name of the film? And the, and it was Filmmakers, Wang Wo. Wang Wo. And the name yeah. of the film is? Filmless Festivals. A, film, a Filmless fe- Festival. Yeah, a Filmless Festival. And it basically, the filmmaker collected all the video he could from this suppression of the film festival, which included like uh, police beating up people or thugs beating up people and the festival director being detained for a while or the uh, police coming in invading a film institute and and pretending that they were were private citizens but they were actually high-level police officials Uh, is a very very dramatic and draconian set of events saying that they would suppress a fest- and the fest- people were arriving in town as the festival was beginning, so you had all these filmmakers who were in an audience that was waiting to see these films, and they chose that, that moment to shut it down. So they were, were they trying to send a message to the filmmaking community, to the artists of that area, or wh- why would they choose that means to shut down that festival? The festival had been shut down several times actually. In one year um, they just cut their electricity so that they cannot show. Really? Yeah. Just to that yeah. district or just to that building or how did they do th- that's they just sabotage them? Yeah. Oh yeah. And then the next year they bought generators. Well, <laughs> so they had okay. The film festival poster was actually a generator. What can be you know in terms of who influences this? I mean, does the Chinese is the Chinese government concerned about their image in other countries if they're trying to grow a film industry? Are they concerned that that, that their films will be well? There's two that their films will be less reach less audience if people know that they're suppressing these filmmakers now that maybe I think people will go see a great film no matter who made it and so maybe that's not really an issue but um, let me tell bit. you a little bit about the we were talking about how the 2014 incident was not exactly a new thing and may I add something yeah I have to say that the pirates thing is, well, past tense. Now, well, since globalization, Chinese governments are really caring to, well, control pirates things. So there are no pirates. <laughs> These independent documentary pirates, well, it is very hard to find these. The pirate DVDs? 
pirates, well, independent documentary DVDs. Oh wow! So, so they, so they go around and they look in the markets, and they're just not allowing the manufacturer. Or they just have found ways to to stop that. Mm, not all, well, well, basically, those pirates economies are getting smaller and smaller. Uh-huh. They cannot sell in on the street and they will go to the, well, I don't know, very narrow alley or oh. you cannot. They're, kind of, they're being forced find. underground, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So before she was saying, like, this one festival got shut down by, I mean, they just cut off the electricity so they couldn't show films. Yeah. The next mm-hmm. festival, the designer of the poster was actually Wang Wo, the guy who directed the film on the 2014 uh-huh. festival. And his poster was a picture of an electric generator. Really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They bought a bunch of these things just in case. Yeah. There is. Okay. Oh, that's great. <laughs> that's great. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. And the thing is, that year, they also got shut down. And uh, let's see, how did it happen that year? When they cut the electricity, they declared they will close this festival. And actually, they moved to another venue and showed their films, uh-huh. all of their films. So they, well, officially, they closed the festival, but actually they completed their festival. They did this so, over and over again. It's really yeah, kind yeah, of yeah. extraordinary. So, the, so I've yeah. never seen anything like it. So does that draw does that draw people and attention to the films and to the festival in China, or does it really discourage people from being from engaging with the films and the filmmakers? Does it is it help? I mean, are people more interested in independent film, or are they feel that it's something? If the government sends those signals, does that work for the population? Are you talking about filmmakers or audience? Audience. Audience. Well, I'm not sure, but there still are a lot of audience of these films. Well, when. I went to Shenzhen Film Festivals. Actually, uh, there are many volunteers, staff, or and audience, young audience there, and it's the same thing in in the Mongolia. Uh-huh. They are quite proud of being volunteer staff for the festival, and yeah. Well, and talking about in a Mongolia Film Festival, the difference between the former film festival is they just show mild independent films. You mean not political? Not political. So oh. they so they so they know they have their own guidelines for the content in order mm-hmm. to not show the films which might be too critical of certain behaviors or not promote mm. certain things which might be considered mo- that the government prefers to stay marginalized? Yeah, because it's government-supported film festival. Oh. So, 
you cannot show those mm -hmm. uh, quite edgy films but there. Even the, the festival in Beijing had a limit because one mm -hmm. year that I was there, this is in the late 2000s, there was one night where the last film was screened and everybody left the theater and they went to this cafe above the theater and they hung out for a little bit. Suddenly everybody went back into the theater and I was like, what's going on? Uh -huh. And the director of the festival was there with one other guy and he said, oh, there's a film being screened, but hang on. He went down to the theater to make sure that he knew everybody in the theater. Uh-huh. And then he came back, and they they were screening a film that was off the books. Wow. And it was about a horrible, horrible disaster uh -huh. in northern China that had been... All information had been suppressed by the government. And this filmmaker had gone and interviewed the uh -huh. families of victims and shown how the propaganda was all BS and obviously that was too sketchy even uh -huh. for Beijing and and so they screened it and then did people what were the repercussions or did people hear about it or it just it just they just say it's just like okay we got it done we got it. we were able to show it our audience was able to see it and that's fine and they it seemed fine, but at the same time, they got shut down several years what later. Year right? was that, what year was that? I think that was 2008, Karamai? Mm-hmm. 2008, mm -hmm. probably. And is that when the pressure started, or is that pressure started within ongoing pressure, but it got worse after that? Or That festival went on just fine. Mm. And then after well, that, it got problematic. I think the pressure became bigger and bigger since Beijing Olympic game, after Beijing Olympic game. Oh. Before that, Chinese government would like to show their, well, their stance, which is quite open to the world and welcoming uh -huh. people. So, and after the, the Olympic game, they don't have such powerful reason to show to the world their open policy or something but like it, that. Wasn't it also connected to Xi Jinping? Um, well, some people said so, but I don't know. Mm. And in the, um, in the studio films, the, 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 the approved films made in China, are subjects, is subject matter ever coded so that it's really portraying an issue, but presenting it through a, a, in a period historical context or s sort of symbolically, or you know, the way that the Eastern European films did in their time when during the Soviet era, is there similar? Or in Hollywood during the McCarthy era, the there were, there were films that were made which were really grappling with the issue of of, of extremism in politics, but they, it might have been a western or or, or a detective film, but it, but it's a, it still was about very much about or the filmmakers felt that they were telling the story of something contemporary that was going on. Does that exist in the Chinese cinema? You know, in mainstream censored. Films? Yeah. Yes. Maybe 
it depends. Some people deny to deny every censored films, but there are several films which shows those reality, like Jia Zhangke's films or other well, lawyers film. Lawyers film, the newest film has censored and will be shown in our country. But those Jia Junka and Lo Ye are actually pretty direct, right? In their mm. criticism. Mm -hmm. Back when like the fifth generation filmmakers came out, you had the feeling that they were making very critical films. Yeah. But they're melodramas. So it's almost like secret criticism or hiding mm. their criticism. Or mm -hmm. symbolically coding it in. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's the way they will describe their well most powerful thing. But how about today? Judge like the the, the filmmakers you were just talking about. What time frame are they from? They were nineteen eighties. They started making. You films. mean fifth? Fifth generation. Fifth generation. Yeah, 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 yeah. Eighties. 84 or yeah, the mid-80s. And so today, is there, that doesn't exist or that exists in some different terms? Oh, uh, there exists, I, well, as I said, like Jia Zhangke or Lo Ye or maybe other directors, but it has changed from the mid-80s. I mean, well, there is no such free space to, well, describe their own things in those censored films. Yeah, like Zhang Yimou, he's making mm -hmm. kind of straight entertainment films. Mm-hmm, yeah. yeah. It's not like before. Yeah, so some people in those, well, censored film industry said that those films in China has dead since 2000 or around the era. That's interesting because I have to say that I was really interested in Chinese films in the 80s and 90s mm -hmm. and as I, I became really less interested and they're, they're just not very good and mm -hmm. at the very same time those films became kind of boring mm -hmm. this independent underground stuff started getting better and better and I completely kind of shifted my focus uh -huh. and I mean do, do, the, do you think that the, China, that the Chinese government will at some point realize that in order to have a strong healthy major motion picture industry that they need to grow the filmmakers from down below and, and allow small films, independent films of all kinds to be made so that the filmmakers can develop and have, have voices so that they can make, then make larger films and, and have, have mastered the craft of filmmaking. Is that, will they, you think they, they could ever come around to that or is ideology always gonna be more important than the making the creative business healthy. It's true, but 
at the same time, it is happening today's China, especially after so severe environment for these independent scene, because some of them are seeking the way to go to overground, not underground. Mm -hmm. huh. So now some of these directors are trying to make censored films. Mm -hmm. Some of the yeah. underground filmmakers. Yeah. Oh, really? Well, they're, 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 they've learned how to make films through the, by making their own films, and then they're just trying to break, be in the business. Now, in, in, I will say that in, in the United States today, filmmakers will have a success at making an independent film, make a few, and then have a success at Sundance or one of the South by Southwest, one of these big independent, in quotes, independent festivals. And then the next job that they will have will be working on a Marvel film, and that will be the blockbuster, the, a blockbuster, of, you know, of some of some kind, or a, or a Star Wars film, and that's a change for the United States because 15 years ago, a filmmaker would have a success at Sundance, and then they would want to continue to make the kinds of films perhaps on a larger scale, but they would want it to get the studios to make the kinds of films that they were making before. A person like Steven Soderbergh is probably the, a poster boy for that. You know, he's a great example of that, where he made a, a large, very diverse kinds of films within the system after having an independent success and, and establishing himself. And he, you know, he would, maybe now, he, if someone asked him to do a Star Wars or Indiana Jones, <coughs> He would do it as a something as just something to do as varied from everything else he was doing but that would not be the place where he would have jumped to from his uh, from his independent success so it's you know I think that there's a that homogenization is something which is occurring here as well the difference is they have censorship yeah. Very severe censorship. So it'll be interesting to see what these underground filmmakers will do when they have to deal with censorship. And one last question. The internet, YouTube videos and just making films and throwing them on the internet, does that is that something that, that the new generation of independent filmmakers might be doing now, that there are voices coming out of of that or is the internet not really free for can you post anything on on the internet in China how does that work you can post some anything but if it's sensitive material it just gets taken down right away サッカーの中にはインターネットでそういうあの配信会社と契約して自分の作品をちゃんと公式に載せてそこから利益を得るっていうことをやってる人もいるlike do hyping the young patriot is a example so there and then there are some independents that are actually making formal contracts with internet companies to distribute in a formal way 
including, for instance, this Du Haiping, who made a documentary called Young Patriot about a young kid who is a rah-rah Communist Party fan, and then they tear down his relative's home and he starts transforming. That was actually distributed on the internet for money, huh? Uh, but he had to cut parts of it. Okay. So is, there, is the censorship on the internet, is that a different branch of the government than the censorship of DVDs and motion theatrical films, or is it this one of the same areas? Um, I'm not sure. It's different, but how actually different I am. I'm not so sure now. でも今起きてることっていうのはそういうプレッシャーが強くなってきているときにまあそのインディペンデント映画やってる人たちがこう分化してる分かれてるっていうのが起こっているまあ、One of the things happening under this situation where the government pressure is becoming increasingly intense is that the independence are starting to like separate into different groups they're falling apart.例えばそういうインターネット配信するとかえっと商業的なプロダクションと一緒に組むとかそれから海外の映画祭でえま海外のマーケットに進みたいとかっていう人とそれからもう余計その政治的な敏感な素材を扱う人たちは余計そういうマージナライズされちゃうからもうだんだんなんかその人たちは発表する場も限られるしでその元一緒だった人たちとま道が分かれてすごくこううんその政治的になま敏感な素材を扱ってる人たちは
I give them the biggest honorarium I possibly yeah. can. It's a little bit of money. And there's another side to this that I think about. And that's the way that filmmakers who are working in the American system and looking to distribute their work in China are at some level complicit in the problems that these underground filmmakers face mm -hmm. because they're conforming their own practice to the censorship system in China yeah. and they're connected mm -hmm. you know a couple of years ago James Cameron was in China showing Titanic at the Beijing Film Festival and he was asked about this and he said well basically that's their problem you yeah. know and that's kind of offensive yeah でも、なんか難しいのは例えば、うん、私たちが彼らに何かこう オーストラリアから人権に貢献したっていう賞をもらったの。そしたら彼は職場の人にまあパスポートを取り上げられてもう全然国外に出られない。それでいつも監視がついてるとかそういう状態になった。でその賞をもらう前は日本にも。So, for example, there is this one filmmaker who was granted an award connected to human rights from an Australian film festival, and after that happened, his workplace took his passport. And so he can no longer leave no. the country. And the government told him that he can no longer show his films abroad. And so before this, before he got that award, he was able to travel freely. He went to Japan and other places. And now he's stuck. Oh, that's terrible. Mm -hmm. That's terrible. How sad. Well, that's, you know, that's very efficient suppression. Uh, you know, that's just... That's what what else can you say about that? That's that's really tragic and sad. Okay, well, we will have to think about how to uh, I think that you know in I think that the the filmmaking in community in the United States needs to be fully informed about all facets of this and we should we'll try and find ways to inform people that's all we can do is just right now inform them and, and think about ways to uh, to move things forward now I noticed that the well, during the symposium here your discussion with the exiled Chinese filmmakers they were very polite and uh, diplomatic about the government and the, and in 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 the film <coughs> when the festival was being shut down there was a kind of discourse that was going on and it, it felt like they were involved in an ongoing conversation that wasn't about the moment, about being right in the moment or making a statement in the moment. It was about, they were trying to, to ex express what had happened and what was going on with their work and with how it 
could be in the system in China, but they were also felt like they were part of, they were, they felt, an ob they were part of China and they felt like the people in the government who they were dealing with were their kin and countrymen in a way. Is that, is my impression of that seem different from what you would say, the kind of discourse we would have in Japan or in, in America about similar subjects? What do you think? あの、そういう人に対しての扱いは本当に普通は暴力的な扱いはしない。例えばリシアンティ。うん。全すごい尊重してるでしょ普段の接し方は。So, you know, the people some of the people in the film that you watched were intellectuals and quite high profile scholarly types like the director that you saw the older guy and so they're respected at some level too でそういうであそこではそれまでその監督と村の人とかはいい関係を持ってたのそう so up, up to then the directors and the villagers had a good relationship だから、あの、その暴力を振るってる人たちは急に雇われたその隣の村の全然あの、これまで来たことがないような人たちが来た。Yeah, so the, the people who were beating up people, the guys, the thugs that were beating up people were from the next village, not this village. Mm -hmm. Hired by the authority. Yeah. And so they are quite upset that they treated like that because they haven't had treated like that. Well, normally they are they had a quite calm relationship with these people, even the police. Mm -hmm. mm. Yeah. いや。あ、あ、うん、だけど、ま、常に緊張関係があって、別に仲がいいわけじゃない。だけど、ま、お互いに距離をちゃんと持って付き合ってたね。だけどそこに、あの、壁を越えてやってきたっていうのは象徴
So up to then, it's not like they were friends. There was a tense relationship between mm-hmm. the police and the filmmakers in this village. But they had a distance. Mm-hmm. And regarding that, the there's a scene in the movie where there's a wall mm-hmm. and the cops go over the wall. Yeah. Up until that point, both sides respected the wall. Yeah. Because the wall was... Mm-hmm. around this film institute yeah. that ran both the film school and the film festival and an archive. Mm-hmm. The director of the whole institute got really upset because the police they didn't went over the, the wall. Yeah, It was like they, they sort of went to a new level with it. It was sort of a kind of ho- what you'd call hooliganism yeah. by the police in a way. So they, they didn't have to do that. They disrespected the symbol. Um, so I think this wall is not the physical, not just the physical wall. It's a kind of metaphor of their community or as, as I said, asylum. Yeah. They are very protected by the wall. If they are inside the wall, they are allowed to do what they want to do like mm-hmm. making a film or showing film and discussion or something like that. The authorities are afraid it happened to the open public. Mm-hmm. Well, as long as they do these things inside the wall, mm-hmm. government allowed them to do such things before. Yeah. But this time they came into the wall. Mm-hmm. It means that they even well does don't allow those things even in the wall. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, if you look at the the history of societies where there's this great contrast between people who dominate mm-hmm. and the others who submit. Mm-hmm. To the degree that that's intense, mm-hmm. both sides keep things to themselves, mm-hmm. and they negotiate a wall like this. Mm-hmm. The wall, the symbolic wall she's talking about, is a negotiated thing, mm-hmm. and each side has things they don't want to show to the other. Yeah. And actually, when the weaknesses that the dominant side wants to hide mm-hmm. suddenly become public. That's when you often get either revolutions like Berlin and mm-hmm. the fall of that wall, or Tiananmen Square and the crackdown and mm-hmm. the exertion of physical power. Before that, things were kind of working, yeah. and the people in sub- the, who seem to be submitting mm-hmm. have some measure of mm-hmm. freedom yeah. of expression inside their yeah. world. And so that film with its scene of the wall and the police coming out mm-hmm. over the top with a ladder is quite powerful. And yeah. it, it helps, if you think about this, mm-hmm. as a, a breaking of the negotiation. Mm-hmm. That helps explain why the older guy who was running the place was so upset. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it forces a complete reconfiguration of whatever they're trying to do and how they can work if they're, if they're, it's like they're, they're, they're being, they're, the limits are being... Yes. pushed in yeah so yeah, yeah. The, it's really it's 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 sad and dramatic okay well 
thank you so much for staying up late with us and talking about this subject and issue and uh, and we're gonna we're gonna stay uh, we want to stay current on it and uh, try to try to keep some focus and see what happens over the next uh, months and years and see what how things are as the as the industry as the Chinese film industry grows and how the as the interrelationship with the international film markets expands for China yeah we'll watch and see what happens to uh, the you know what happens with independent filmmakers and what you know young and and old filmmakers who are trying to uh, say things differently uh, from what the uh, the government expects or wants how they will proceed with the uh, technologies that are available so thank you so much and let's just ask let's just digress for a minute what's your we should ask this in the beginning, but we'll, as sober as these other subjects are, what's your favorite film? Who's your favorite filmmaker of all time? Well, well, I have several well, favorite filmmakers. Talking about independent documentary film in China, I, now I'm interested in Yan Lina, female director. Yeah, she is quite unique and well, she was documentary filmmakers, and and now she's making future film. Uh huh. Yeah. In the Chinese very... industry, she's in Chi she's in Beijing in the Chinese industry, or where is she located? In Beijing, yeah, and she well, she shoot very private film. Well, each film is quite private both documentary and fiction and some fiction film are talking about his heart desire yeah and her desire to well man and she said um, she now she is going to to female film only for female yeah, but these kind of directors are very rare and are not so noticed by the by other countries. Okay, well we'll try and get the we'll uh, we're going to look at some of her films and we'll try and get the mm -hmm. word out about about her so more people will get to see her work. Thank you. And, and yeah. who's your second favorite? Is there another another one who's a favorite or that or is she apart from from all others and not worth mentioning anyone else? Other directors? Yeah, yeah. who's your other, second who just one more filmmaker we should we should note. Well, I can well say other three different kind of directors. One is Wang Bing, the other is Hu Jie, the last is Wu Wenguang. Those are very important documentary filmmakers and they are quite different each other. Okay, all right. Yeah. Thank you very much and, um, and I hope we will talk again soon and have a great evening and again thank you for staying up and speaking with us tonight thank you very much okay all right thank you care. mark yeah thank you mark you betcha and that's it for now 
you would like a PDF transcript of today's show or want to check out our schedule, you can get it all and more at theprocess.ink. And of course, we're on iTunes and all those other good places. Thanks for listening. I'm Tom Benedict.